Welcome to the Better Roadways podcast, where we explore innovative solutions and ideas for improving our roads and transportation systems. I'm your host, James Golden, and in each episode, we'll dive deep into the challenges facing our communities and the creative ways that people and companies are working to make our roads safer, more efficient, and more sustainable. From cutting edge technology to grassroots initiatives, we'll explore it all. So buckle up and join us as we travel down the road to a better future on the Better Roadways podcast. All right, welcome to Paving the Way. I'm your host, James Golden. And for the past 25 years, I've had the unfortunate, excuse me, the fortunate privilege to, you know, really level up the engineering and municipal industry through uh, developing better roadway networks for all of our communities. During that journey, you know, through entrepreneurship and being a business owner, I'm able to connect with so many great high performers, entrepreneurs, and just at that executive level within our industry, doing some really amazing things. You know, the aim of this show is really to showcase those that are out there paving the way within this industry, allow them to kind of showcase their skill sets, uh, their unique journey, and give them a great platform to talk about what they've been up to and how they're making America's infrastructure the greatest it can be. Today, I'm very excited as this is episode 001 to bring on Stephanie Gutierrez, president of Spot On Performance. Uh, Stephanie's always been you know, within that entrepreneurship mindset, if you will, always had a knack for business development, started her career in the accounting world, right? Out there in the accounting world. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it here in a little bit, how we connected, but found out that she was able to uh, not only just start her own company, but her own accounting executive firm, if you will, helping business owners uh, throughout the United States and actually exited and sold that company, which gives me the goosebumps. So congratulations, a little clap out to you. Now she's found herself here in the horizontal construction industry, you know, a little bit of a different vertical, you know, out there pushing a narrative for efficiency, optimization, culturalization at spot on performance. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, James, so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to support you and your missions and your endeavors. So, so proud of anybody that goes after their dream, whatever it is. Thank you so much. And folks, you're going to see that resonate through Stephanie's narrative. I guarantee it. She's a true champion for, you know, going after what you want. Uh, you know, what I thought would be fun to kind of warm up these shows is do some rapid fire stuff. It allows all of us to get to know each other as well as the audience to know a little bit about you as well. So let's just start it off with food, you know. So what's your favorite food out there, Steph? Like, you know, health food, junk food, it doesn't matter. No one's judging. Um, so one of my favorite goes to, I know this is weird and no, I'm not 10 years old or five years old, but one of my favorites is apple and peanut butter, but not regular peanut butter, not that fake GIF crap, like real 100%, either like a peanut butter or a nut butter. It is my go-to. I will always have a little peanut butter pack, um, that like you can just squeeze. It's natural and probably an apple in my purse at all times. I know it's wild, but it's literally one of my faves. And if we're going to deter, I guess it's not healthy. It's just real food. Uh, probably Mexican food. Like, oh my gosh, I love Mexican food. But that's probably in my blood too. So <laughs> hit me in the heart, not going to lie. I got to add a margarita with it, right? You know, just, just, just to, just to really class it up. A good tequila or a mezcal, sign me up. I'm sign there. me up, sign us up, right? Mm -hmm. That's outstanding. You know, I resonate with all of those things. How about, let's talk about maybe like the entertainment space songs. If I were to hit your say Spotify or Apple playlist right now, what's something's been on repeat for you? What's that genre for you right now? Right now is like, I'm really big into Zach Bryan. So Man, you and like, everybody else, right? <laughs> listen, if, if somebody has tickets somewhere, I will be a third, a fifth, a seventh, a tenth wheel. 
let me know. I'm dying to get into a show or concert. You all <laughs> heard that. Movie, I'm there. <laughs> you all heard that. So if you're, you know, this show will probably air within the next week or so at the time of recording, which is what, June 26th. So if anybody's got tickets for Stephanie, man, hit us up, hit her up. She needs them. Uh, I will say not to make you jealous. My daughter's seen him twice this year already. She's 18. Oh Crazy. God. Yep. She travels. And it's probably she, amazing, right? That's she why loved she it. twice. She loved it. Her next mm -hmm. one up right now is Taylor Swift coming up and she's just can't, she's over the moon for it. So yeah, I mean, that's cool. But now I'm like, Give me, oh, some something. Give me some country. Yeah, absolutely. Country. Very cool. So let's go into the movie space, you know, or TV shows or anything like that. You know, you're a high performer. You're on the go. You're busy. You've got a family, but you find yourself on the couch on a Sunday at three o'clock and you're, you know, you finally can kind of unwind and you see something on the TV. What is that show that makes you stop what you're doing? You say, okay, I gotta watch it. Oh, okay. So for a movie, since I was little, I loved Remember the Titans. Um, I know, kind of weird, right? Good but I grew one. up with a brother. But I love sports. I'm a sports junkie. So another plug, if you need somebody to cheer on your team with you, I am there. I don't care the sport. I don't care if it's horse. Um, whatever the event is, I'm all for it. Um, and I just love the little girl in there that was like, go get them, kick their butt. I don't know. But then I also thought it had such a great story of unity and bringing, you know, two cultural divides together and then add in football and tough and rough and make it happen. Um, or the other one, like if it's a TV show, man, I love, love, love suits. I don't know. Is and, and it was before yeah. Meghan Markle married and became some princess or whatever she yeah. is because yes. their negotiation, their wit, they were always sharp. They always like everybody on that show walked into the room with confidence. And I was like, this is just everything. <laughs> I'm sure you're all, uh, you know, you listen to Stephanie on just what she just dropped on you. And now you're going to see where that entrepreneurship and that hustle mindset and spirit really comes from. Two great. Well, well done. I remember uh, that was the assistant coach's daughter. She was always the cheerleader. She was breaking down plays. That was so cool, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah she was. All right. I loved it. Well, that's a great like transition to the next one, which is say, who's your, who's your, maybe your all-time favorite hero, you know, maybe a family member, it could be a, so it doesn't matter, you know, who's that somebody in your life or that you looked up to maybe growing up that kind of helped set the stage for, you know, your career journey, your success journey. Yeah. So, um, to not do family and then I'll touch on family. Um, honestly, I loved Oprah because I loved that she was always looking for these amazing stories. And I loved her story. And then she brought to life so many people's stories. So I thought that was really incredible. And you'll probably dive in. You'll be like, okay, now I know why she loves stories. Um, and then I think as of late, like I'm a super rooter for, I know this could be controversial, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, Elon, man, like he is just does not care yeah. about what people are saying. He doesn't care what the mass is doing. He's going for what he feels deep down and conviction within his soul and he's doing it. So kudos to that. Um, and then probably somebody in my family, I would have to say both of my grandmothers. So I am half Latina and half not. <laughs> um, so you get the mix of all of this, but um, my grandmother, my abuela, so my dad's father, where the Lat Latina side comes in, she grew up and she has such an incredible story um, of how she flourished and how she took care of her six kids and just remarkable little entrepreneur within her own hometown and her own birthright. And then my other grandmother on my mother's side, 
um, owned three bridal salons in the 70s and 80s throughout Wisconsin um, and was just always had an entrepreneurial knack as well. And so I love both of them because they both had such an amazing story and fought so hard and gave everything for their families. And even as a woman back in those days, like for us, for me, these days might be a little easier, but it's really because they paved the way and fought for so much. So like, uh, I have heroes all over. I'm inspired through a lot of things. <laughs> I love that. You know what? An inspiration like, you know, should come from a wide variety of, of angles, people, influence. That's amazing. You've got that cultural background match to match with that. And to be able to see, you know, someone, you know, within your own family, you just said it paved the way and you're spot on, you know, in a lot of cases, we've all had people that paved the way for us. Yep. I love to acknowledge that and, you know, recognize that as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Finally, the, the rapid fire right here. What about a quote? Is there is there a saying or a, or a word that really resonates with you and kind of helps you kind of, you know, lead with a, with purpose every day? Yeah. So um, this is such a loaded question. I know we're supposed to be fast, but if you look okay. at my LinkedIn from last month, like there's so many. So I'm like, how do I choose one? Um, but probably one as of late is I don't want to die saying I shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, there are so many people. I just had this conversation earlier with somebody literally in my office. And I was like, you know what? Kudos to you, honest to God, whatever happens, because you don't have to worry about laying on your deathbed saying shoulda, coulda, woulda. I shoulda did this. I shoulda wrote that song. I could have started that business, man. I would have went off and started this invention, whatever it is. I think that there's so much to that. And I think a lot of people miss out on that. And then I, I led it up to the question with that person of saying, do you know where the richest place in the world is? And they're like, no. And I, and I said, it's the graveyard. There's so many, there's probably a cure for cancer that never came about. There's probably a number one time bestseller that never got written. There's probably a beautiful play that never made it to Broadway. There's a song that didn't get composed or a piece of art or whatever. And they looked at me and I'm like, no, I'm so serious. Like, I don't want to die. And so I think that's a huge motivation for me. Um, and just knowing that, man, I got life today. I literally had breath. God allowed me to wake up and my roof didn't cave in on me. And so I better go make something of it. So there's so many. I, we could be here all day. <laughs> that was an amazing answer. I'm so glad you shared that with everybody. That's not something I've heard before. The position of the the most richest places being found within the graveyards. So that can be its own probably podcast or show right there. I'm sure everybody, Steph and I will probably do more of these types of things anyway. Yeah. So we'll hang our head on that one for now. Great answers. Uh, so, you know, we got to learn a little bit about you, you know, some of the things that inspire you, you know, your, your heroes, some things that you like. Great opportunity. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? You know, give us a little bit about your backstory. You know, the, the floor is yours. Spend as much time as you want. You know what I mean? I know that might be a little question for you. I get it, you know, but that's what we want. We want to hear who is Stephanie? You know, tell us about a little about your family, your upbringing, and then kind of getting into your entrepreneurship journey and how you got to Spot On Performance and what you're currently doing at Spot On. Perfect. Okay, so I'll do um, a quick run. So I am a, uh, one of two. I grew up with an older brother. Um, as you heard prior, I grew up in a very um, lower middle class family. We didn't have a garage. Um, we lived in a townhome, most of our things, but we never really went without. Um, we had the minimals of everything. Our vacations were sometimes camping and making peanut butter and jelly. And I think that's amazing because there's nothing like humility. Um, but I grew up with a brother that was always 18 months. That was 18 months older than me. And we were in sports. I had a father that played college soccer. 
Um, and I had a mother that was great at mothering and running businesses and just doing the utmost. And so, um, I grew up in Florida my whole life. I love the sun. I love outdoors. I love exploring and grew up with just really a lot of balance with a lot of different things, a lot of different hobbies. And I was always competing in sports and I had a brother. So I was always competing in life. And then he was 18 months older than me. So then I had to learn how to uh, wrestle or take a punch or give a punch or stand up for myself or figure out how to run with the boys. Um, And then throughout all of that, I ended up having a son really early in life too. Um, Love struck me early, apparently, but God knew I needed to be a mom early on at some point, I guess. And uh, my parents ended up divorcing when I was about 18 years old, but I truly believe if I didn't have my son, my family probably would have been um, more severed than what it is because now everyone comes together for everything, regardless of splint households. And so it all stayed together because of him. And I knew that I was probably the strongest one in my family to endure that. So it had to be me. Um, so I've got a son that's 16 years old and um, I'm, you could do the math on that. I had him at 16. So that puts me at 32, which that story is already out there. So if you want to hear about it, you could check the LinkedIn. I've posted about it. It's not anything to hide. Um, and with getting, having a son early, I knew that the um, ball was left in my court of what am I going to do with this child? And I decided, I was like, well, I decided to make this child essentially or help make it. And it was my job to take care of it. And at that point in time, I just knew I had to grow up really quickly, whether that be leaving behind scholarships for um, athletics um, or whatever it was. I just knew I had a mouth to feed and I had to make something of myself. And luckily I had a really supportive family, but it did require me to step up and do what I needed to do. Um, And so within that, I dropped out of school, got my GED. I don't think a lot of people know that, but I went straight to, um, I wrote my GED and then I started college right away at 16 years old. Um, College probably took me longer than most, which is totally okay. And the goal was I've got to have a career of something to support my son. And I knew I always wanted to be in business. I had a mother that started flipping real estate really early in life to where we would go up into the hoods in Fort Lauderdale and she'd buy these horrible properties and we would go up on the weekends um, and I would be nine, 10, 11 years old. So if we weren't playing sports, we were there at the house and she was like, we will pay you to do stuff at the house. So I learned how to do peel and stick linoleum. I learned how to use a screwdriver and a drill and take windows off. And I knew, I knew how to unplug appliances and plug them back in. And within growing up with that, I had a mother that just did so much. And I had such a supportive father that with both of them, I was just shown the world that you can literally do anything you put your mind to. Um, And so with that entrepreneurial side, I knew at some point I wanted to be in business because I had seen it. I had just been around it. I just didn't know to what degree. And um, when I signed up for college right away, they're like, well, you got to pick a degree. Well, I was only going to a community college. So I was like, well, I don't know. I was like, I'll just do business. And then um, I ended up taking accounting 101 right away. And I had an aunt. I have a couple of aunts that are CPAs. One ended up going the audit trail and then one ended up going the corporate trail. And my one aunt that I'm super close with, she gave me a call. She was like, Steph, you liked accounting. Why don't you do accounting? She's like, you got, you understood it. You got the debits and credits. And she goes, not everybody gets it. She's like, why don't you just do that? You'll always have a good job. Now, she's that conservative accountant. I'm a risk analyzer. So I will analyze these risks and then I'll probably take them if it makes sense and I could live with the worst of the worst, right? And 
she was like, well, why don't you be an accountant? You'll have a degree, you know, it's something specialized and you can always do business. And literally at that point I said, okay, like, you're like you made your mind up that easily. And I was like, yeah, why would I not make my mind up about that? Why do I have to complicate these things? It's not deterring me from business. It's just saying, hey, get a specialized degree in something. You do get it. You do understand it and move forward. You can do what you want with it. So I immediately changed my degree and um, I don't regret it, but I don't advise people just to take accounting because it is a lot. There are days where I cried before finals and after finals. And I cannot tell you, it is no joke either. Um, and so I ended up doing that. And I always, at 18 years old, I went and I got a job in H&R Block. Because um, I was like, if I'm going to do accounting, I don't want to waste time waiting tables. I don't want to waste time in a job that's not going to put me ahead. Um, not that it's wrong for other people to do that. Don't hear what I'm not saying, everybody. I'm just saying for me, I had a son and I was like, if at some point I want to own a firm and I don't want to be 40 before I own a firm, I need to start getting... Um, skills now I need to start building my resume today in that specific sector so I did that for a year and I was like man I'm only getting paid nine dollars an hour to do a tax return that's costing somebody 350 dollars to do and I'm like that took me less than an hour and and I so then I did the math in my head I was like 350 yeah I know there's overhead I'm only getting nine dollars that was back in I don't know whatever we'll do the math and I'm like I ought to be getting paid more for this skill. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I just so, want to right. jump in and piggyback off that. It's like, you know, the theme here is a doer, take action, right? Be decisive, but at the same time, be open to other experiences. And it sounded like that light bulb went off for you because you were thinking about when you came in H&R Block, you know what? I'm getting started. I got to get going. I got a son to take care of, right? But you still had that spirit of like, I knew in the back of my mind, you wanted to be business minded. You wanted to own your own company someday. And that's all it takes is something as little as like, wait a second, nine bucks. They're getting 300. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, and I was like, okay, well, now I only know how to do a certain level of, and it was a really good class. And I told everybody in my accounting degree, you should just go get a job there. So you know how to do your own taxes for the rest of your life or a basic level anyways. Um, and then the next year I went, I was like, all right, well, I'm done. That was a seasonal job. So then I went and got a job at another accounting firm. And then, um, the owner there was kind of out of their league for sure. She ended up telling me a year after she was like, you know, more than I do. And I was like, okay, this is the wrong place to be. So then I found another place to go work at. Um, and then I ended up doing a couple years there and I had did a stint at a local college too. So I knew how to navigate the college higher education system. And at that point in time, I was like, I don't want to do corporate because my mold is just not going to fit well with a corporate. Not for nothing. It's just, I know me and I know how I work now. And I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to fit. I'm going to have to be able to go somewhere where they're going to let me fly. And then I went and I found a great firm to work for. And I finished school there and I worked there a couple of years. And I remember at a time, um, the firm had just lost like half of its employees and I just remember sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I'm like mothering full-time. I'm still finishing school full-time. I'm, we're like, you know, toes deep into tax season and somebody, and she walked in, my boss walked in the owner and she's like, all right, so what are we doing today? And I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm only 23 years old. Right. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I've been here before I'm sure. And I'm like, I thought thoroughly. And I was like, this is to happen. This is to happen. This is how we're going to get efficient. We're not answering phones till three o'clock. We're not getting back to emails. We are coming in 
head in the ground from eight to three working. We'll reply to everybody at three o'clock. Next thing you know, three and a half, four months go by and we have more tax returns, business and personal than she's ever had done in her 10 years of owning the company. And I was like, did this really just happen? Did I really just figure out efficiency? <laughs> I love it. Did I just figure out a system? You know, I to- just figured out a system and it right. worked for that season, you know? Um, and then I realized my time up was there after I ran that. And then I had a pretty cool offer by another gentleman to say, Hey, why don't you come over and help me grow my firm? He had retired, but wanted, he was getting back in the game. And he, he basically was like, why don't you bring over some clientele and, um, we can divulge and we can help. He's like, you know, the technical side and you know how to talk to people. And I was 25 at the time. And I was like, wow. And at that moment I realized, I was like, you want me to come grow your firm? You basically just said, you know what, Steph? You're good enough to go make your own thing happen. So I stayed for a few months. I was making $50 an hour at 25 years old. And I was like, make a little bit of change and you're off to the races. And then I went and got licensed. And that's really kind of how I got into the accounting world was just, I realized, hey, there's an opening for this. They need accountants that are you know, know their stuff, but know how to be personable. A lot of people go and see their accountant. They're like, here's your bill. You had a great year. And that's it. There's no like relationship. There's no synergies. There's not enough questions. And so I knew I could come in with some sort of personality and tie the expertise and the personalities into it. And that's how I kind of got into accounting. (laughs) That's amazing though. And it's like something that, and I want you to continue, but when when we take a look at the construction industry, the engineering industry, there's a lot of those parallels to like accounting, you know, you, you go work with a consultant, you go work with an engineer, you know, a construction company. It's just like, Hey, you, you hired us to do tasks A through Z. Here they are. Have a good one. We'll see you next time, you know? And I had a very similar experience to you. I had somebody kind of validate what I already kind of knew, you know, that I was doing. And that maybe maybe a little bit of borrowed confidence in some yep. ways and some validity to, to what my approach was, just like you. Hey, I'm going to take this system and take my skill sets and my personality, and I'm just going to run with it and maximize it for whatever I can. So, so you yep. get into the accounting, you start that company. What's next? Um, so I did the, so I opened the accounting firm and I remember being 26 years old, the very end of my 26 year old life, I guess. And um, I found an, I found an office and I've learned that my life has always kind of predestined me in a sense, even though I don't always know it, I've always been where I'm going next. I just didn't know that I had already been there, um, which is a total another conversation of topics, which I think is really cool. Um, And so I go in and I'm like, all right, I have just enough money. I had just gotten this one client that needed multiple years done, a couple of businesses, and it left me with a good amount of money. And I was like, oh, I just did the math. And I was like, I have enough for first last um, deposit. I have enough to buy my basic equipment because I knew everything I needed already from where I prior work. I just knew the things I needed, equipments, computers, scanners. I was like, this is how I can be efficient for Stephanie um, and within my company Evolve. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go sign this lease. And the lady's like, are you sure you want to sign a lease? She's like, you're the youngest person that will be on the book signing a lease. And I'm like, (laughs) I said, yeah. And she's like, are you sure? And she's like, I I said, yeah, I believe so. I said, I've got clients, I've got money and I'll bet on myself. I've already had people ask me, how do I do it? And if I'm doing it for other people, why am I not doing it for myself? 
And she's like, okay, here's your annual leaves. And I remember there's like a selfie. I probably should make a post about this of like me taking a selfie, signing my lease, thinking this is the coolest thing. And all my friends are like, Steph, you're nuts. You're nuts. Like we're barely buying a house and you're over here signing a commercial lease. I signed a commercial lease before I bought my first home. I had bought a condo prior, but I took on a commercial lease and I was like, now or never. <laughs> now or never. Nah, hey, bet on yourself, right? You trusted in yourself. You trust in the process. And you know, it's kind of funny, even though you have someone in like that, 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 uh, that realtor or whoever that individual was like, are you sure you want to do this? Because that's what we find, right? When we go bet on ourselves, you're going to have everybody come out of the woodworks, even down to the professionals that are going to start questioning, calling yeah. you nuts and you're crazy. And, you know, I really love that graveyard analogy. Like, I'm going to keep coming back to that because you're right. So you think about like how many people, whether they, they died in a young age or, you know, they, they did live a full life to some extent, but how many dreams died in that? No opportunities, you know, because soon too much feedback, too much criticism. They just couldn't, they couldn't get outside of themselves to go do it. So yeah. that's what it's all about. You know, it's chasing your dream, your success journey, and how you deem fit. And I love, I love these stories. So, so yeah. you get the commercial lease sign, you're up and rolling, you know, you're rock and rolling. You got clients, business is obviously going pretty well. Well, I remember, yeah. So I signed the lease, um, August one was the move in day and I had ordered my stuff and I took the smallest office that they had. And it literally, she told me, she goes, this used to be like a cleaning closet, but we turned it into a little office. And I was like, I'll take it. I remember it being like $600 a month or 630. I don't know, something like that. But it included everything. It was the executive kind of suite to where they provide um, electric, water, you know, bathrooms. I didn't, all I had to do was write one check. And that was the other thing for me was it it was efficient for me at that time. I didn't have to put together five to 10 different bills. And this was my overhead for the month. It was like, I just need to be able to make write this one check once a month and it covers my overhead completely. So another efficiency thing. Um, and within about three months, I was like, okay, I need a little bit bigger space. I, I can afford to not be in the closet anymore. <laughs> I can I come out like, of the closet now. Like I can go, I can, I can go, go to the closet. Yes, yes. Yeah, it was, I remember that day. That's so funny, man. And so I went to them and I was like, do you have anything bigger? And they're like, didn't you just sign a lease? And I was like, yeah, but I, I think I don't need to be in the closet anymore. Like I can use a little bit more space. I don't have to feel like the little sister in the office anymore. And they're like, yeah, we have something right across the hall and it's only going to be an extra $50 a month. And I was like, this is better. So then I did that. Um, and I was like, okay, so now I can have like bigger chairs and da -da, those sort of things. But I, I always believed in growing organically because I think you have to be very careful about anything that you're doing is over leveraging yourself, whether it be by debt whether it be by taking on people, whether it be by taking your idea too fast um, to where your market can't keep up with you. There's so many things to that. Um, well, I'll say so that's, that's that calculator risk analysis, that skill set that you've got, you know, you honed in on that skill set, you're able to apply that. And now you can go help and talk with others on those things. Yeah. And so, and as time went on, I remember getting into my first tax season, like, you know, when you start any business, you're just like, oh my God, am I going to make it? Am I going to pay the bills? Are my kids going to eat? Like, I was like, am I going to eat? Is my, you know, I was married at the time. I was, you know, I only have one child, but I was like, am I going to pay my HOA and my mortgage and whatever it is you're thinking about those things. But in those days is when you realize so much of yourself, because I've had people tell me like, even till this day, 
they're like, Steph, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing. Or back then, Steph, I don't know how you started a business and you have a, an eight-year-old at home or whatever it is. And you just finished school. Like you put the brakes on and I'm like, I'll put the, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like I know that for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's that all gas, no brakes, you know, and those are what, that's one commonality between high performers. You know what I mean? It's, we only have one speed and it's go. Sometimes it's faster than others, but it's just, I'm always in constant motion to improve. Yeah. So, yeah. And I just remember getting to the first tax season. I was like, man, I was scraping by, like, I could barely make my December rents um, and everything. Like it was brutal. Like I, I remember having to not give a lot of good Christmas presents out that year. Um, it just was what it was, but I knew what I was going after. And I knew my family understood too, because they were entrepreneurs. So they had always been there. They, they've kind of done their own. They know what it's like to be in the Valley and in the grind of it. And what it's like, I call it when you take that business entrepreneur or you take that leap of faith, I call it jumping off the cliff. Like why? And I'm like, because you'll either figure out if you can fly or you'll figure out if you're going to die. Like, I hate to say it. And when you have to bet on it, you will damn sure figure out, oops, how to fly 99.8% of the time when you put yourself in that dire of a need. And then I made, went through my first tax season and I was like, oh, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. And then it was just continue with growth after that. And I found a formula that worked for me. Um, I learned, I realized I had a lot of confidence in just talking to people. So throughout those four years, I ended up learning so many different types of businesses that I started analyzing. I've always analyzed things. So I've, I learned, I, I learned the plumber. I learned the lawyer. I learned the doctor's office. I learned the dentist. I learned like one of my favorite stories is a tomato broker, right? There's so many ways to make money. It's not oh just, yeah. oh, go to school to be a teacher or a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, you can make a living being a wholesale planter. You can make a living selling pots or artisans, like whatever your dream is, if you fully believe in it and you do the work for it, you have a really high chance of it coming to fruition. And I loved getting so many people's stories from the accounting. I really felt deep in my soul that like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing at the moment, but I knew that it wasn't where I was going to be forever. Because right. I just always envisioned businesses and things going on. And I saw my mom flipping houses and then holding um, and her building her real estate empire to where I saw myself as doing it, but on a business level versus real estate. And I got to just see so much to where I was like, okay, I know something's going to come next. I never wanted to build this $10 million accounting firm. I knew with me and my assistants, like I was, I was good with where I was at and my team. And I was like, all right, what's next? Like, I didn't want. 30 person office that wasn't in my dream on the wheelhouse. And SOP was actually my client for a couple of years. And I remember just always giving him wow. kudos, Mark, Mark Minnick. Um, he came in my office. He must've been like 67 years old. He was referred to me. And I just told him, I said, you should be really proud of yourself. I told him exactly what I told this person earlier. I said, you should, he like looked at me crooked. I'm like, do you know how many people die saying or on their deathbed saying I shoulda, coulda, woulda? And I said, you know, at least you're going after something. You're doing something. You're making something happen. I said, you get to die with no regrets at some point in life. And he like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, no, but I'm serious. Like, I'm really proud of you. He was like, no one ever told me that. And I'm like, I'm genuinely super, like, I'm so proud of you for doing this right now. And then I'm also so honored that you allowed me to be your first yeah, like I just think it's so like I'm so cheering for you genuinely. <laughs> well, I you know what I I just want to say this you know um you know you get into this entrepreneur space 
and you're building a company to your vision, your goal, you know, you don't have to come into, you know, this is, you know, you I know, I know this is more industry specific, right? But we want to talk about entrepreneurship because there's so many companies going to listen to this. So many leaders, so many thinking about starting their own company, Stephanie. It's like, they need to hear these messages within our within our space. So thank you for bringing it. I appreciate the kind words, but I'm also humbled for you to jump on here and just chop it up with me, right? But it can be so lonely at the top sometimes because, you know, as humans, we don't tend to always be vulnerable. We don't want to, we don't want to share too much, you know, and maybe you can talk about that a little bit in, in this segment or maybe another, but, you know, as you were growing in terms of parent, you know what I mean? A leader, a business owner, a mentor, you know what I mean? The circle sometimes starts to get a little bit smaller, doesn't it? You know, you, you see those that kind of ride with you and they're a champion for you, but then you see others starting to maybe question and you take this individual, you know, your client at the time, spot on where you are now, Mark, I believe you said, right? Yep. And we can all probably say it at one point, we don't get a lot of the pats on the back. We have to figure out ways to do it ourselves, but yet we don't really wake up every day for the accolades, right? We do this for the yeah. mission. We do it for what we're trying to build. So that really resonated with me and I'm sure it'll resonate with others. You know, even if you're not a, even if you're a W2, but you're an executive level, high performer, independent contractor, you're really out there for, you know, doing it yourself sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's so awesome that folks like yourself, I know I'm the same way. It's like, I try to be a champion for others and cheer them on. I want to be a cheerleader because I want to, you know, what do they say? Iron sharp sharpens iron, yep. you know, yep. a little bit of my reference, like game recognizes game. You know what I mean? It's like, I want to be that cheerleader too. So Shout out to you for giving them, you know, the kudos that they deserve. Yeah, I and that was one thing that I loved being able to do at my accounting firm was I I just saw such a vast variety of businesses and everyone had a story and I loved I always ask them like how did you get into like nobody ever asked me that I'm like because there's a backstory behind it like I remember this one guy grew this bee company he's a bee farmer and he sold his bee company for fifteen million dollars and I was like bees what. Bees, yep. right? I knew nothing about bees, nothing about bees. And I and I was I wasn't on my own when this happened. It was at that one accounting firm I had did years at that was really good for me and learning. And I remember I was like, Well, how did you get into bees? And he told me he was like, Well, I did this chore back in the day, whatever, in the 50s. He was a kid, right? And the guy said he was gonna pay me cash, but he ended up giving me bees and he goes, You take these bees and you turn this into more than the cash I would have given you. And he did. And he grew Crazy. it into one of the top two or three bee producing companies to where they would pay him to ship his bees out, like 20,000 plus hives. They would go across the country to go pollinate. And I'm like, oh. If that's not the whole, what is it? The, when life hands you lemons? I mean, come <laughs> on. When life hands you bees, you make honey. We're going to change it up from now on. We're, we're going to use that analogy right there. Yeah so, yeah. so spot on was a was a client of yours at your accounting firm. Yep. How did you kind of go through that uh, that decision to kind of maybe exit this business or this uh, industry, if you will, and kind of look for some other opportunities? Yeah, so it really kind of fell in my lap. And uh, this story was almost, I have to say this, it was probably God defined in a sense because it was so seamless. Everything else, then my life had flipped upside down at the time. I was going through a divorce, um, which happened. I had to move, obviously, in those divorce in that divorce. And I just like everything changed in my life. And um, I wasn't not happy doing the accounting thing, but I had always 
people had used me for consulting, for advice, those sort of things. And um, I had helped a little bit here and there and dabbled and that sort of thing. And I, and I wasn't opposed to it, but I literally knew nothing about it. Like I was the person that drove on the road. All I knew was that, oh, this got really new asphalt so I can rollerblade. Like that's as hard as, <laughs> I'm being honest. That's outstanding. You I know, hear that all the time. <laughs> I was like, that's how I know this is a good rollerblading was because of new asphalt, right? But that was yes. as far as I knew anything about it. Um, but I, but I did know that I was curious, um, and I knew that I loved learning new things. And so I was asked to go to world of asphalt one year, uh, last year and ended up bringing some investors to the table and stuff. And they basically told me, they said, stuff, we don't jump on board unless you jump on board. This was March 31st of 22. Yeah. 22. And I'm like, I am 18 days away and I've got a team back home and we've got tax returns to do. And at that moment, I remember going back to my hotel in Nashville and I was like, holy smokes, is this really happening? You know, asking to come on board, asking to come help, bring all of your intangibles with you. We need your spirit and your entrepreneurship and your business and the accounting helps because we know you're an analyzed risk taker, but you're not just so analyzed to where you don't take a risk. So I'm not totally stuck in that accounting box, right? Like that's the reality. They don't take risks. And I said, okay, if I'm doing this, what do I have to do to put this together? And I literally was like, well, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I immediately called a couple of people that I knew in the accounting world. And I really didn't like much of the offers. And I just knew that I wanted to leave my clients with somebody that was similar to Stephanie because they fell in love with Stephanie and Evolve. They didn't fall in love with just Evolve and it being a tax firm or it just being accounting and bookkeeping or pay, whatever it was to them. They liked Stephanie because of what Stephanie brought to the table. So I knew I needed a similar sauce. Um, and I met with these other firms and I just was not excited. I had I had firms ask me in the past, hey, why don't you join for forces with us? We can be really big. And I just was like, I don't, I have a vision for my life and I don't want to be put under a thumb per se and be contained to this certain box that Stephanie didn't necessarily fit in. I was very self-aware since I was very young. So I, I kind of knew certain things. Um, I don't know everything and I'll never know everything, but I'm always willing to learn. So then I had this idea. I had this one client and there was another accountant that did it because it was this bigger company and they wanted segregation of duties is what we called it. We don't like, so Evolve Tax and Accounting wasn't going to service the auditing portion of this company. I can only do the bookkeeping and the taxes and then they would outsource the audits. So you got to keep it separate. And there was a gentleman there that similar, young like me, loved his spirit, his energy. And I was, it dawned on me after meeting with these other firms and I'm like, this is just not a fit. And he came to my mind and I was like, I need to go reach out to this, this kid, right? He's a little bit younger than me. And I go, he just started his first business and he was still going to do accounting. And so I went over, I met him at his place of um, retail business. And I go, hey, I've got this idea. I know this is crazy, um, but I'm looking to sell Evolve. And he's like, okay. And I kind of told him what was happening. And he was like, cool. He's like, give me a couple of weeks. I'll think about it. You know, accounting, my accounting firm was very much cash positive and was providing a really good living. Um, I was doing really well and I, I can't complain at all. And he comes back within like a week or two and he was like, let's do it. And I go, this is, mind you, this is six weeks from the day of March 31st of finding out, hey, here's an opportunity to, oh, like I had to move fast, like super fast. And I was like, 
I really like him because he's very similar. He has a great yes. personality, but he knew the technicals of it all. So we figure out our deal. We come to a mutual agreement, really fought, you know, we, everyone was, it was fair. I'm all about being fair too, you know, especially to an extent. I think you, I said, if you don't put out good, how is good going to come back to you in any aspect of life, which is a whole nother topic. And so we came up with our deal and he was like, great, I'm going to start June 1st. And that was the official of like, that all happened. And so we have April, May, and within eight weeks, the handoff had happened, right? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, wild. But I look back on that and I was like, had it all not been divine, I had never seen an MA happen so seamlessly. And I had done a lot of MA work for clients because I was on the accounting side and I had clients that referred a lot of people to me. And I had, a, um, I had some people that were business brokers. So I'd already seen, I kind of knew, thank God I knew how this kind of thing worked. But I was like, within eight weeks, this just like happened and it was like seamless split. And a couple months down the road, you know, worse, we were still in touch because I had clients and it had to be very, we had to play things very even keel so that it wasn't rocky and the retainage was fine, which it's been great navigation since. But he looked back and he goes, you know, stuff. he's like, I always thought about leaving where I was at. And I was like, I should have come and work for you. And I was like, you know what? I said, I always had the same thing as I always should have just asked you to come work with me because we would have been great. And I'm like, and look where we are. So to know that those, you make decisions and sometimes you're wondering, like, did I take the right leap of faith? Did I do the right thing? You have to find those confirmed nuggets or cookie crumbs within that whole thing to say, this is the right path. And I knew at that moment, I was like, well, it's the right path. Whatever happens after that doesn't matter because I made the right decisions going forward. So they'll just, as long as I have the right attitude and the right heart, I'll still figure everything else out. Um, so that's really how I got into spot on performance. And then it was like, all or nothing, I'm going to figure yeah, <laughs> like horizontal construction roadway out. And, and man, I did. And it's been, it's been a wild ride and nothing but fun and literally a whole new world. Like no pun intended to Ariel. And I haven't seen the new movie. But I it's very cool. I've met so many people and it's a great industry. Um, amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you all just heard that within this is barely, what, this is 15 months in at this yeah. point in terms yeah. of like that initial world of asphalt conversation. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's because you were always thinking about your next move. You know what I mean? It's just, you didn't, you don't know exactly which vertical, which parallel, it doesn't really matter. It's just that you already knew that something was going to transpire. Something was going to happen. Positive thinking. I believe in this stuff too. That's why I'm saying like visualization speaking things into existence, you know, call me crazy. I'm fine. I'm that guy. I'm the bald guy, you know, driving down the road in my truck, talking to himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Speaking things into existence, if you will. Um, but what an amazing story in just the last 15 months and how quickly things can come together when everything's in alignment. You got to feel good about it. I love what you said. If you're feeling good about the path that you're on, you already knew you made the right decision and the rest is going to kind of come into play. So yeah. You're at Spot On Performance. Why don't you tell the audience here a little bit about who is Spot On Performance, who's your target audience, and how you're helping to solve, you know, efficiency, ROI, you know, and, and all those types of things. Yeah. So what I love, what I knew what was great about Spot On Performance is I always dumbed business down to it's one, it's got to be efficient. Um, it's got to solve a problem. It's got to be easy enough for people to grasp. And there's got to be a profit on both sides of it, whether you're the 
seller or whether you're the buyer. And so I feel like if you can accomplish those basic necessities, you have a valid, like you literally have a viable business. I don't care if it has to do with bread or grass or rocks or air quality. If you can fit that into there, then you definitely have a business, right? Because if they can't be profitable off of it, then you can't be profitable as a business person. So I knew looking at spot on performance, I truly always believe in the product because I love things that make people more efficient. Um, and I knew it was a great opportunity and I knew I was able to bring some things to the table and I knew that it was going to be able to provide its customers with efficiency and productivity and performance. And so what spot on performance is really about is we are a software tool that is connecting the asphalt, the plant and the office, this great triangle together into one hub, um, for spot on performance. It, to be able to have connectivity throughout wherever, wherever you are within an organization. So whether you're in the office, you can find out what's going on. So you're coming from you know, the field, you're able to find out one spot hub, everyone can log in and get data. They get real-time data. Um, it helps with truck management. It helps with load management. It helps with the guys in the field to know what's going on. It helps the guys at the office to know what's going on in the field, um, even the production. And so it started with the asphalt industry um, and then we've recently grown into the aggregate industry and it's really come with a great approach because in regards to people that might be in this space is that it is simplified and it was made from an, I call him an asphalt guru and I give Mark credit all the time. I said, you have those 40 years in the industry that I probably will never have. I said, cause if I did, that would put me at 72 and I don't care. I age myself here and right. I'm probably not you know, I'll be in the asphalt world, but I probably won't be with one company for 40 years. It's just not happening with me. (laughs) Nothing wrong against it. I just was built differently and that's fine. Um, And so that's how I saw it of bringing together an organization from all these different areas and tying it into one and really helping make their lives easier. And if we can't help make your life easier, then what are we doing? And I truly believe that like a building block of a business, right? Of really anything. And so we sell to material producers um, to really give them tools to be more productive and efficient, which then equals to profitability, right? If we can help them shave off things, um, whether it's time, materials, labor, that sort of thing, we're able to help make them more profitable, which is what they want at the end of the day, because profit feeds back into their people. Um, I love the business. I love the business model. I'm obviously in the industry, you know, and from a data-driven perspective, I love it. It's all about data, you know what I mean? And at the end of the day, you have to have a profit first business. You have to be efficient. And this industry in terms of the aggregates, the materials, the asphalt from all different, you said the triangle, right? So that's a really great analogy. It's getting more and more competitive. You know, we watched the the cost of putting these products down in the US skyrocket since the pandemic, you know, now we're starting to level off a little bit, obviously, but we have to find our competitive, our differentiators. And it sounds like Spot on Performance is really doing that for their clients. So yeah. that's really great to hear. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for telling me about, you know, telling us about Spot on Performance, what you got on over there. Um, we'll kind of wrap up with a few additional questions here, you know, that I think that you can add value. Maybe we're going to get into some, maybe some of your, your, your tips, your hacks in a couple areas that I thought would be fun. Awesome. So everyone, I met Stephanie at a conference, you know. So one thing that I would say is someone being in the industry forever um, being an entrepreneur, business owner out there, pounding the pavement, right? You got to get out there and meet people, right, Steph? Like, it's one thing to go out to a conference and be stuck behind the booth and just waiting for someone to approach you. It's another to leverage your skill set, your personality to bring those to you, you know, to get your story out there um, and all those things. But another thing, another thing I always like to do is get out 
and meet people at their booth or at events or the social hour or whatever I'm doing, you know, and that's how I met Stephanie is at this, uh, this conference in Virginia. And, you know, you just, just start a conversation, you know, and just kind of see where it goes. Um, so with that said, I know there's a lot of people listening to this that are going to be stuck in, you know, maybe it's a, they're, they're sales directors or something along those lines. They're on the road, literally all the time, going to conferences and conferences. So from your perspective, what is maybe one thing that uh, like, a, like a tip or a hack that you've got to help those leverage these conferences the right way? You know, get outside of the booth, you know, maybe what's something that, you, that you've done um, in your all your years spent out there traveling and meeting people? Yeah, so I've traveled more in the last year that I've traveled, uh, probably in the, I've, I've seen the world enough, you know, to know. But within the last year, I really realized is I had no nobody gave me a playbook. Nobody gave me education. Nobody. I had been to an asphalt plant probably two times before getting on the road, I still was just looking at a bunch of big machines, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to age myself in this industry. I'm just like looking at it. I was like, okay, material starts here. It goes there. It comes out, it goes on the road. I was like, that's what I can conundrum at that point in time. And, but I knew I was trailblazing and I had no playbook. And so every time I went somewhere, I just said, okay, these are my target customers. And so as silly as it sound, I would read name tags all around. And I'm like, if it said, one of those names, like one of those companies within my phone, I would be like, okay, that's somebody I need to talk to. And it was, it was that simple of how do I divest? So if I was going to Georgia, I had a list of all the Georgia companies that might be attending. And I was like, anybody with any of those? And I would just scan the room. I mean, it was me or nobody, right? Like, what am I doing? (laughs) That's exactly right. You know, you got to find the ways to maximize the opportunity, not just be in the room. Being in the room alone isn't enough, you know, nope. and you got, it's like she said it, it's as simple as, but create a playbook, create an agenda. Why am I going here? Who am I looking to hit? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, like put yourself out there, everybody. You never know who you're going to run into. I mean, if I hadn't run into Stephanie at a conference, we're not on this podcast right now or the show, you know, yeah. so, and we really hope everyone's getting some really great value out of this. You know, um, you guys probably see me every once in a while. I got a pen right here. I'm out here jotting down. I'm taking notes. You know, I, I'm always taking notes. I always end up love interacting and learning from people. I've got a lot of what I call golden nuggets uh, from Stephanie today. So uh, thank you for that. Efficiency, performance. You can see the word performance on the back wall right there was spot on. Those are two fundamental, you know, cornerstones of the company that you're at, right? And representing, right? So we know that's very important in terms of production and productivity. So if you take a look at it from a high performer perspective and executive level, what's maybe a productivity hack that you found? You know what I mean? As you, Stephanie, you know, we all have the same minutes, hours in a day as everybody else. You know, is there something that you've got maybe in your pipeline or in your calendar or a tip, a trick, a book, whatever it is that helps you maximize your efforts in your day? Yeah. So it probably started when I was, um, when I started my own real, when I started doing accounting work, because I realized that, well, I'm a righty by, by, by life. Right. I didn't choose it. I just, what I was, my genetic took on. And then I started working at accounting firms and I realized that, oh, I need my mouse for my right hand, but then also I'm, I use a, I used a calculator a lot all day, every day. And I was just always about how can I get the most done in the least amount of time, right? My goal was to, as my mother always taught us, learn your boss's job, because then once you learn their job, then you can ask for a raise, you can ask for the next level, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember just like 
getting into my first account, like real accounting firm. And I was like, man, this is taking me so long. I'm like, I should really learn how to use my left hand for my calculator. And I was like, but I am not a lefty. And I was like, so it's not like I can't teach myself. So it didn't take, but you know, days, months, whatever, I would just start forcing myself to use the left, use the left, use the left. And next thing you know is I'm doing stuff with my left hand calculator. I have my mouse in my right hand and I'm getting stuff done in probably like two thirds of the time of a lot of other people. And it's as silly as that. But from that moment on, then I went and had my own spot, right? And it even became even more prevalent because I was like, I'm charging them a flat rate anyways. If I get this done in three hours or nine hours, they don't know. I mean, they're probably, maybe some of them won't listen to this, but <laughs> it's the reality, right? Like a real estate agent, they're getting the same commission, whether they have to do a million pictures or one, like they made a lot of money in the, in the market a year ago because they didn't have to do all the work, but they're getting the same commissions, but now they're having to do more work. So to me, it was about being efficient. And I just realized, man, if I could cut my time down, I could do more work. That means I could make more money in the least amount of time. And even till this day, I'll be walking across to my house and I'll be like, oh, am I going to the laundry room? Or do I need to take something over there? Am I going to the kitchen? Do I have a glass that I need to take over there? Am I walking to this side? Am I going outside to do something? Do I need to be bringing? It's just all about efficiency. Why? I don't know. But I don't want to take longer to do anything than I have anything that I have to, right? Yep. <laughs> so. I, I think it's very important to realize, you know, we all approach this stuff, you know, the, the show, the podcast, all this stuff that we're talking about from an industry or from a career perspective, efficiency. But I really think you hit the nail on the head. When you start looking at your day-to-day -day activities, your life with your family, you just said it like, hey, I got to hit the laundry room and go do this. What else can I? It doesn't matter. When you start finding ways to be more efficient in all aspects, it just starts stacking. You know, James yeah. Clear has a book called Atomic Habits. You yeah. know, habit stacking is a big thing, you know. Um, and that was one of my takeaways from that book was habit stacking. And I just took that away from you from an efficiency perspective. So that's a great share. Um, you know, speaking of, you know, performance, habits, personal development, personal growth. Let's talk about profits and ROI, right? Return on investment. You know, you already gave some great insights to, you know, why uh, profitability first is very important as a business owner and execution in a company. What about for your own personal growth and development? You know, so um, as you grew, what are some things from a personal development or personal investment perspective that maybe you've kind of undergone or, or you do every day that's going to help you grow as a person? This is such a great question, James. And I really, I'll try to make this short because I know our time. You're good. Limited, but I have, okay. Um, one thing is that I am a curious person by nature. Um, it started with good. me being young and my parents reading to us and just always having that be a foundation um, to our lives. And so me and my brother are generally curious, right? We're just always up to learn something new, um, ask good questions. And there's just so much to life, right? And it's funny because there's a photo of me as a little, as like one, one and a half years old. And my mom will tell you the story. She was like, you used to climb out of your crib, grab all the books on your bookshelf. And I would literally sleep on the books. Um, I just loved learning. I loved finding out what was new. And as time has progressed, I realized that the more questions you ask, the more curious you are, the more willing you are to learn, the farther you're going to go, because one, it's for your brain, your brain keeps you going for two, it builds relationships. Relationships helps you get places too, right? It's not always about what you know. The what you know is what you have up here, but the who you know comes out of here, right? 
Um, and so having those together really helps. But my recent revelation of this past, I don't know, couple months has really been with having a 16 year old and getting him and encouraging him to go get a job and looking at colleges and he starts full-time, you know, dual enrollments coming August. Uh, just talking about things and he's seen his mom and everything that's happened. And yeah, you live a good life now. But I was like, buddy, we were broke the first eight, nine years of your life. Like, that's just how it was. <laughs> like, you might not yes. remember all of that because thank God for grandparents and family, right? Like, but uh, your mom was pinching pennies for a lot. Like ramen noodles was it for a while. Um, and so my new thing is, is like gain a skill to pay the bills. Literally, like, I don't care what you do. You don't want to go to college, right? You don't want to do that. Go gain a skill that will pay your bills, whether that's teaching art on the side or whether that's honing something that only you can learn that you could go sell to somebody because whether you like it or not, it doesn't matter. Your job is to be an adult or to go make an ROI for your family. If you're a husband, if you're a mom, whatever it is, you have to be profitable, right? In so many regards, but how can you be profitable if you don't have something to go back on or or what is your skill set that you're providing to somebody? And so my recent message of the tune of as of late and all to his buddies too, I'm like, you guys got to go learn something. You've got to learn a skill that will always pay your bills because you need an R, you have to survive. If you're going to survive, why survive with not a lot? You know, and I know there's, don't hear what I'm not saying people, but I'm just saying in general, right? Absolutely. Make that, you know, and it's not about what you want to do. Like I, I was telling my mom the other day something and she's like, you're so consistent and you work out every day. And I was like, well, I'm not where I want to be. I said, but it's taken time. And I said, it's not about whether I like it or not. Why do I have to like something? Or There's this big notion in this world that you have to like what you do, everything that you do. Why do you have to like everything that you do? Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that. You get into this business entrepreneurship world too. On top of that, it's like chase your passion, you know, do something that you love. You'll never work a day in your life. And I kind of like what you say, don't hear or don't listen to what I'm not saying. Cause right. again, like all that makes sense. But at the end of the day, like, you know, you have to go out there and just just keep moving forward. You don't have to love every single aspect of it. You know, for the longest time in my company, it was like, I hate this. I don't enjoy it. But let me tell you something. I had a great person, mentor in my life, come in and say, you may not like these areas, but what do you like in some of the things? Right. Let's find those. Let's delegate the rest. And all of a sudden, I'm like, well, shit, I love my job. I'm really enjoying these aspects of you know, leadership and mentorship and helping others to realize all these other things that we do with the company. You know what I mean? So I, I want to end on that, Stephanie, and this is it. Gain a skill to pay the bills. That is gold right there. That's amazing. I love that tagline right there. You should run with that as much as you can. That is like my new revelation of the moment. I'm yes. <laughs> probably going to name this episode that just, you know, a little spoiler alert that was outstanding. But hey, Go ahead. to all of you out there, you know, like curiosity is a superpower. That's kind of something else I just heard from Stephanie. Um, you know, hey, shame on me for being a young parent. We share that in common. Maybe I didn't encourage a lot of that. You know what I mean? So, hey, whether you're a parent, you're a leader. It's, it's great to have those asking the questions. I was very curious early on in my career. I know it absolutely got me to where I'm at today, just like it got you to where you're at today. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm humbled for you to be on here with the first episode. And you know, why don't you let the audience know the best way to connect with you? Yes. 
Thank you. First off, thank you so much for having me. Thank you to um, the people that will be listening here and to however many years this does or doesn't go. But I know James is up to something great. I'm so Do proud it. of him and happy for him. And I'm happy to be a support here for him um, whenever he needs it. Whenever you need a blabber, just give me a holler. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn under Stephanie Gutierrez. I do spell it a different unorthodox way. My parents decided that nobody should be able to spell it the rest of their lives. So it's spelled like Stefani, but it's Stephanie. Um, and then my last name, Gutierrez. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also shoot me an email too as well to stephanie.sopworks.com. And you'll probably find me on Facebook or Instagram too as well. I'm not on Snapchat or TikTok. I'm probably a little too old for that, but uh, you can find me out there um, and I'm happy to connect. I'm happy to give you some encouragement or a kind word or whatever my um, little brain is coming up with at the moment. <laughs> I love it. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. I'm sure you can check it. I'll do the whole like you can find it here thing. Whatever. We'll let the producer take yeah. care of that. But hey, make sure you reach out to Stephanie. Make sure you get a lot of value to add. Yeah, as you can see, she wants to be a cheerleader for your efforts, what you got working on. And on top of that, if you're somebody in that asphalt space, a contractor, aggregates, everything along those lines, if you're really looking to maximize the performance of your company, profitability, increase ROI, spot on performance is your go-to. Stephanie is your go-to. I want to thank all of you for listening into this episode. Excited to keep doing this. Uh, until the next one, pave the way, stay golden.